Welcome back to another Hidden Falls Media episode, everybody. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest. But before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you of something super important. We don't run ads. I don't sell you some bullshit course you don't need about digital marketing. Me and my guests are simply here to provide you value over this podcast. So please do me a favor. Make sure you go hit that subscribe button. Make sure you leave a comment, not just on our podcast, but on our guests as well. It helps them get some visibility, helps them grow and get in front of more people. So guys, please, if you found a nugget of wisdom, if you found any level of insight, or you just enjoyed hearing my raspy voice talk for the next you know, 30, 40 minutes, go ahead and do that for us. It'd be much appreciated. But today's guest is the dark horse entrepreneur, everybody. That's right. The dark horse. Tracy Brinkman. Hey, hey, hey. Thanks so much, Alex. I like that. That's, that's a cool groove you got going at the beginning of things. <laughs> I like it, man. It's fun. It warms it up. It gets the energy going. I get right? going. Uh, I feel like so I don't fun. have DJ voice on it. It's kind of like, <laughs> hey, hey like, to, yeah, I know. That welcome drives, to the midnight show. <laughs> that drives me nuts with podcasters where they're just like, how low and slow can I go on my Oh podcast? my God, right? Like, hey, like, can we just talk? Right, absolutely. Just be you, right? Yeah. So, all right, let's, let's, let's break this down. What in the world is a dark horse entrepreneur? You know, a, a dark horse entrepreneur to me is that uh, that entrepreneur out there that they believe they could do what it is they feel in their hearts that, that they're passionate for. But generally, they might have, you know, a, a circle around them that says, you know, are you sure you want to try that? And, you know, that's that's kind of outside the norm. And and they probably have well and good intentions, right? They're worried about you failing and, and, and getting hurt or, or whatever. Uh, but, you know, you know, you can win. You know, if you just like bust out of the gate and run your race, you, you might not come in first, but you know, you'll show the folks, hey, I can't, I, I got this. Mm. Was that your journey? It was, it was pretty much my journey. I think with the exception of my mom and dad who raised me saying, you can do whatever you want to. You just got to go do it, man. Whatever you set mm. your mind to go after it, you know, but there was a lot of folks around you that you're like, nah, you, you must be nuts to go do that. Were they entrepreneurial? They were not, you know, they were, um, you know, they're more like the, the sheeple that you, you tend to grow up around, uh, you know, in this, in the scholastic system. And, you know, I, I right out of high school, I went into the service. So a lot of them are a lot more followers than leaders and, you know, especially in, you know, in the enlisted circles. So uh, when I got out and started my little uh, computer programming business, uh, you know, doing, doing database programming in Southern California, you know, that I was the odd man out with the exception of my brother everyone's going like what are you doing go get a job the j-o-b word right just over broke no thank you <laughs> oh that's funny i've not heard it described like that as the acronym that's funny though <laughs> so talk to me about computer programming i didn't know that was part of your uh, part of your history train as to how you got into the tech world yeah, I, uh, you know, right, right uh, when Apple and the PCs were first coming out, I was a bit of a Radio Shack geek. So I just dated myself, right? <laughs> um, and uh, I, like I said, I joined the service right out of high school. And so um, when I was in the service, I had an office job. And so one of the things I did, and I was stationed over in Germany, is I ordered um, a little computer uh, that I could build from scratch 
right? And then you order this extra module and it would uh, give you the extra memory that included basic. So I learned basic, the programming language. And literally I was so jazzed out, so geeked out by this that I sat down and I programmed my job, which was, I was a flag records clerk. So if anything happened to you while you were in the service, you know, bad, like you got in trouble, your, your 201 file, which is the file that follows you through your entire military career would come to my desk and I would manage it until you either paid your fine or your court case was done or whatever it was about your trouble uh, was over with. And so um, I literally compute, uh, I programmed this little computer to help me keep track of each one of the individual steps that each file had to go through which left me a lot of free time. <laughs> and so they're like, oh, you you kind of geek out on this. Let's get you uh, more into the computer world. And uh, so, yeah, when I got back out of the service a few years later and landed back in Southern California, I was like, oh, I, I know what I can do with these skills. And I started yeah. uh, doing computer programming. And, and uh, a friend of mine said, hey, yeah, I work for this insurance or uh, preferred provider organization. So, you know, you have an insurance company, they're like, here's all the preferred providers that you get to go to all the doctors you can choose from. And so they had a call center and they literally had index cards that each person would go through as, so as you would, you would call them up and say, Hey, I need a doctor to check out my back. And they would say, well, where do you live and everything? And you know, what kind of, so, you know, what kind of insurance you got? And they'd be fingering, you know, flipping through these these index cards. Okay, you've got, you know, Dr. John, Dr. Jane, Dr. Joe, Dr. Dick, right? Which one do you want to go to? And they're, they're reading from these files. So I, I uh, com- created a computer-based uh, listing for them and then networked these PCs together so they could all uh, access the same database and update everything. It was, it was kind of cool. So, dude, you painted such a visual picture in my head the whole time I'm sitting there just imagining like, some dude that's got coffee breath, smoking a cigarette, saying, all right, hold on. Let me fucking thumb through this thing. Find that's it. right. right. That's right. And that's Back then, that's what it was, because you could still smoke in the office yeah. back then, too, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. So, you know, you, I think learning computer programming is probably one of the most in-demand skills, even still. I'm dating back. We we won't name the age out of respect, right. <laughs> but even even still carrying through today, people come to me, and one of the skills I actually look for as a digital marketer is: Do you have any coding background? Mm-hmm. Because it's so valuable. Because it's so many if then logics, yeah, which relate to so much of what our job as marketers are and as entrepreneurs. Right, we're looking at situational awareness. We're looking at if this situation happens, what's our plan forward and all these different directions. And I think that that mind of a programmer fits really well into the business world. It absolutely does. It actually helps you kind of in, I mean, you encapsulate that very well when you're looking at different scenarios. If you can think through that same kind of logic, like if this, then that, if then this, then, right? Uh, all those kind of if cases. Um, yeah, it definitely serves you very well as you're going through it. And I think those minds, they also tend to be, I, I want to say less linear, right? So they're like, okay, it seems like it's a straight line, but every time there's a variable, that line changes. So yeah, it's a straight line. It's linear in that sense, but it you know it goes all over the place as they're they're thinking through these possible scenarios. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to think about it. Cause that's a lot like life, right? 
We're going. Yeah. We're, that bus ain't stopping. Right? There, there's <laughs> no, no it, break on not. that bus. It, it's not. And here's one of the cool things that, that I always thought about when it came to programming and how it had helped me outside in, in life is that um, uh, you know, object level programming is you're, you're, I'm going to, I'm going to program this little subroutine to do this one task. And then I have this subroutine over here doing that task and this subroutine over here doing that task. And they're all, they can all stand by themselves. And then you create the, the basic program. And then you, you know, you, you call those subroutines when they're necessary. Right. Well, if you think about life the same way, you're like, I'm going through my life, my basic program. And every once in a while, I have to go reach out to someone else or some other skill that I have. And that's that subroutine that you're, you're going out there and reaching out to. And, you know, if you can hone that, that subroutine, it helps make your life a lot easier. And when I say hone your subroutine, that could be having a good network of those that are good at the things you're not so good at or the things you just don't damn well want to do, right? right. You can just reach out. Hey, I know Alex rocks at this. I'm going to reach out over here and he's my subroutine for this every time I encounter this scenario. And then now you start working together and then that keeps your program, your life running a whole lot smoother. I love that. And not just for the self-promotion on it either. <laughs> but I've I've been out of the... Uh, so full, full, full discrepancy, I may or may not have partaken in psychedelics at a younger age in my life. <laughs> and one of the things that I noticed in one of my journeys was that it, life almost feels like a video game in a sense where you're just looking at skill acquisition and mm -hmm. mastery of skills along the way. And at right. some point, you know, at the beginning, you kind of have certain classes or characters that you could fit into. Mm -hmm. But once you pick that once you pick that class or that men mindset or that mentality, it's really easy to drive down that path. Yeah. But it, it's when you're trying to hop across all of them that we get issues and it causes a lot of like identity issues and cognitive dissonance issues as to who we are and how we think and what we want out of life because the goalposts keep moving. But if you stick down with this idea of skill acquisition being the driving force behind a lot of it, like you said, it's easier to develop those subroutines yeah, feed that main path. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And and I think uh, to take that one step further, I think so often if if you try to identify with you know this or that, then not only does it like almost tend to guide you in a path all by itself, it becomes this self fulfilling prophecy. But sometimes you end up with this or that, and you're not really that. Like you're not really the paladin, or you're not really the warrior. It's just what you chose because back when you first started the journey, you're like. I need to hack and slash to get things done now. Well, right. now that things are done, well, now you could say, well, I really don't need to be that. Now I can be the mystic or I can be, you know, the integrator and now I can start taking my time and, and be more fluid about things. Um, uh, people need to realize that, you know, they can change. It, it, it's not bad to change. It's actually it's a very positive thing as long as it's, you're still being uh, true to yourself uh, as right. a result. Yeah. I've, I've accepted. I'm not, I'm not somebody that loves math. Is it a skill I could learn? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do I have the desire to? Absolutely not. Nope. <laughs> I don't mind data, like data analytics and learning that stuff. But outside of that, like, yeah, like, 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 uh, let's talk trig. No, no, I'm good. No, Cal I'm fine. no calculus. I'm good yeah, with that. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, so, I hear you there. 
With working with so many entrepreneurs over the years, what are some of the qualities that you see really guide them using this? So you, you were talking about that you kind of find your path and you find your subdomains that feed your path along the way. What are some of those commonalities that you've seen or what are some of the pitfalls that you notice a lot of? Uh, I think some of the pitfalls, uh, we'll start there, is there's a number, there's a, I think a subset of entrepreneurs that are focused on the money first, mm. right? How do I make money for this? Well, stop, right? What is it you're doing? You know, let's talk about podcasting for a minute. You know, I mean, you've probably seen there's, there's any number of folks out there that considering, hey, I want to start a podcast, but how do I monetize it? Well, so, well stop. Well, what are you going to talk about? What are you passionate about, right? Who's your audience? Um, you start answering those questions first, and I think the money opportunities will reveal themselves. Well, yeah, I'm going to talk, you know, I'm going to go start talking to ladies that like to knit. All right. Well, certainly you can then start selling them supplies, right? You can teach them knitting. knitting uh, I don't even know the terms. I just picked that out of, the, my, out of my butt. But you, you get where I'm going, right? Yeah. You, you'd monetize that differently than you'd say, well, hey, we're going to talk about business today, right? Well, now maybe it's more of a coaching opportunity or affiliate marketing or whatever it is. Um, but that's secondary, right? You've got to go after what's what's driving you as a person otherwise that first wall that you hit you just you're just gonna stop you're gonna go well screw this man this is too damn hard whereas it's something that it that's that's you know lights you up in the morning you're like put your feet down you're ready to take off running you hit that wall you're like all right i'm figuring a way around around this i'm gonna dig under it i'm gonna jump over it or i'm gonna go through it who cares but i'm gonna get there because that drive inside you is saying go 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 um and then don't get me wrong i i like money right it's like zig says you know i've had money and i've not had it and I, I prefer to have it. it it ranks right up there next to air and in, in importance but you know if that's your primary then i think you're going to end up losing a lot of your momentum and it, even if you're successful it comes back to what we were saying early you might end up somewhere you really don't want to be man that's some powerful knowledge drop right there <laughs> right? man that that even threw off my question <laughs> Hey, I got him thinking, everybody. Yeah, yeah, you did. You got my wheels turning on that because I see it all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, and I think back to my own journey as to what got me started. Absolutely. The idea of being able to make, I came and we talked about this on your show too, mm -hmm. that, you know, when I was busting ass and doing all this digital marketing for other people, making minimum wage, like money was top of mind because it was survival. Yeah. Like I was in survival mode. Like we ain't making rent in the next two months if we don't get this thing up and moving. So you know, I, I get both sides of it. I've kind of like to Zig's point, right? I've been in spots where I've had it. And even after there's been success in the business, there's spots where you reinvest all of it. And you're like, yep, back to broke. Yep. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back to broke, but I know how to get back to where I was faster. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, I think, and I, I get it, you know, because I've been in, the, in, the, in those shoes too, where you're like, all right, I just, I got to make some cash, right? And you go out and you hustle your butt off and you make the cash. You're, okay, okay, now I'm I'm just over broke, right? I'm just, I got a few dollars I can spend. Do I want to keep doing this? Or do I want to start doing something that lights me up, that fires me up? And maybe you've got to do both for a while to help fund the one that's really lights you up inside until you're able to, you know, get the juices flowing and get the revenue coming in on the, uh, you know, on the passion side. How has podcasting affected your business? 
You know, it's been very positive and it's been more positive from the connection side, like, you know, being able to, you know, link up with folks like yourself, you know, getting an opportunity to, you know, chat for an hour with the likes of David Meltzer. A year ago, I'd have been like, yeah, I'd never be able to talk to him. But, you know, you start realizing, yeah, they make lots of money, but they, they're people too, and they enjoy sharing their knowledge when when there's the opportunities arise. And uh, the connections, um, again, have, have served me uh, greatly. I know when I first started this particular podcast journey, I was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to bring on people that I could sell to, right? My knowledge, my coaching to. And as I started doing that, I started like, oh, no, I, I, I was actually gaining more from them i'm like okay now i got i gotta just i'm gonna dump all the knowledge out there and let them share their stories and that's when the world kind of opened up i'm like oh you know the 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 sky's open i'm ah this is i was way more passionate about it having a lot more fun and actually found a way that i'll be monetizing it this year that was completely different and i wouldn't even imagined it six months ago that's cool yeah i'm i'm kind of at the same spot man i've I don't know how or when it'll happen, mm-hmm. but until then, like you said, why wouldn't you focus on building up your audience first? Right. Build a connection, right? Yeah. Build, build, build a tribe, build a community and get to know them because at the end of the day, that's what we all want, right? We were talking about the six human needs back on your podcast and going over them and just how it applies to marketing in general. But I mean, it applies to human life too, mm-hmm. right? Like we're, we're human with or without marketing. It's just there. Exactly. So so with that, you know, you're talking about how you're at a stage where you're looking at contribution, Mm -hmm. right? You're going back to how, like, how can I give back? How can I contribute for that? Which I think is amazing. And I think that's so natural of an evolution going from just all of your experience working at Coca-Cola and then coming back and, you know, becoming an entrepreneur and doing all these amazing things. Mm -hmm. It's awesome to see somebody live truly in that state of fulfillment, because I, I got to imagine doing the podcast and being able to contribute back and have the meaningful conversations, see the love and belonging that you're able to cultivate. It's got to feel amazing. Oh my God. It is, is so amazing. And then I actually end up fanboying sometimes like someone will come on the show, like uh, Jess Jacobson came on not too long ago. And uh, she's a, a younger gal in the social media um environment and she was just dropping bombs and i'm sitting there i wanted i was actually at one point i was looking around for a pen so i could take some notes and then then hit me i'm I'm recording this so i can always (laughs) go back to it you know what i'm saying but you're like oh my god how how do i do you know you're like how did i not know this and it seems like every person i bring on yourself included you know you're like well how did i not know this i've been around 57 years and i'm still learning as i go along so uh my hope is as i'm doing that that the audience is getting that same aha moment. They're like, well, damn, I didn't know that either. That's cool, man. Can you talk about your experience of marketing and branding with Coca-Cola? Yeah, it was uh, it was it was really cool to to be a part of that world and to see how they focused their marketing towards, believe it or not, a niche of the um, uh, of the consumer base. Right. So obviously, uh, with the the core brand Coca Cola, it was very 
everybody. It was very, you know, um, what's the phrase I want to use? Very authentic, old school, you know, uh, you know it's never going to change. It's very conservative base, right? Um, but you had, then you had your Diet Coke where they were more leaning towards the ladies originally, right? And, uh, you know, so there was a little more curviness to some of the lettering and a little brighter coloring going on. And then when you had Sprite, uh, most of their marketing well, I want to say almost 80 plus percent of it was very focused on the younger crowd, more specifically your urban crowd, right? Your, your not inner cities, but certainly that those folks that were out there in the, uh, you know, in the, in the cities, you know, a lot of basketball action was going on. If you think about uh, any of the MBAs we're talking about back in the nineties, Sprite was Sprite everywhere. Was all over it. It was all over the place, you know, so they found their, that, that, that group gravitated. So they're all their marketing was towards them, the languaging, the coloring, of course, there's the green for Sprite, but then that's where they lean to it. And then when, uh, when Coke uh, acquired Barks, it gave them the opportunity to really go after a much younger market with a younger language and a younger feel and more out there marketing, you know, like Barks has bite and you have this cartoon dog going, I, 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 eating up everything around. And then they also had one other, was one of the, uh, I want to call it the original kind of energy drinks called, it was called surge and they went right after the, uh, the younger teen crowd, the late teens and early college kids, you know, and I remember this one commercial and it showed these two guys in their hoopty, uh, you know, American, you know, kind of muscle car going down the road and they see this dirt field and they look at each other like, Oh yeah. And the next thing you know, they're doing donut circles, right? Power circles in the, uh, in the field and the camera angle at the whole time is like, where you could see the two of them, like it's the cameras on the hood of the car facing in. Mm -hmm. And then as they made, start making the turns, the, the, the surge can kind of passes in front. And then they, both, <laughs> they do it. They were doing figure eights, right? Then it said, yeah. it's going back the other way. So it was all about these guys having a great time doing crazy, you know, teen boy things. And all of a sudden surge goes in the camera view and then back again. And I'm like, okay, that was powerful. That was 40 years ago. And I still remember it. Or That's 30, awesome. About 30 years ago. Yeah. I that love, was really cool. I love seeing creative marketing like that, where it's not just bam, here's our product. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I think ahead. when they, they, when they landed on the, um, the polar bears, and of course we all know the Sunbloom Santa has been around forever and has been iconic when it comes to Christmas and Coca-Cola. But when they came out with those polar bears, I think it really resonated with a younger crowd, you know, cause the Sunbloom Santa had been around since what the forties, thirties, maybe. I think is when they first introduced Sunbloom Santa and, you know, it, so it's, it was a little more aged, but those bears, man. And then they had the youngster bears. Uh, it was, it, it just blew up all of a sudden. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard stories and rumors that they hired Steve Jobs at one point to come in and start crafting some of that stuff. I cannot confirm nor deny because I, I am unaware. I know I, I would have been I would have been geeking out if I'd have saw him in the hall. That would have been crazy, sure. wouldn't it? Especially been with awesome. you and your tech background building computers. Oh, like, holy shit, what is I he doing here? Totally <laughs> geeking out. I I do remember it was nothing to be walking down the halls because I was lucky enough to work uh, at least 
10 of my 12 years at the headquarters in downtown Atlanta. And it would be nothing to be walking the halls of Coca-Cola and see, you know, like, uh, you know, a, a big boxer uh, walking the halls or some rock star, you know, walking the halls. And you're like, is that Holyfield? Yeah, that's Holyfield, right? Yeah. Warren Buffett, you'd see him walking the halls every once in a while. And like, what's up with that? <laughs> That was the day before uh, Instagram influencers too. Absolutely, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So out of out of working there, it sounds like you got a really good understanding of how a massive company attacks a different market with a different product, even though it's all held under the same company. Right. What are what are some of the other learning lessons you were able to pull out of that or even recently within marketing that have really kind of been some of those aha moments for you? You know, I, I uh, one other lesson I learned specifically that rings true is uh, don't always have to beat your competition, right? So I'll go back to the Barks example. Uh, when they uh, bought Barks, they were trying to uh, use the marketing to displace a lot of the other uh, root beer brands that are out there, you know, and, and we all know the different names. Yeah. Um, but the one place they knew that they, they figured they were going to be unable to do that was down in the Texas market. And that's because Dr. Pepper had such a strong foothold uh, in the marketplace down there. So rather than even wasting their money, uh, they went after and tried to uh, peel away a little of that uh, market share uh, with uh, a, a completely different brand. So they went after it with the, uh, not Mr. Pib, which is another spicy brand, but with the Sprite market. So they were like, hey, we can go in there and you're drinking you know, Dr. Pepper or whatever. But in the evenings, you're probably having mixed drinks and those mixed drinks aren't always all that great with Dr. Pepper. However, with Sprite now, they're good. You know, so it was that, okay, you don't always need to be marketing you, this particular product to a direct competitor and try and beat them. Sometimes you just got to say, you know what, I'm not going to beat you there. It's not worth the punches to the face that I'll take, but I have another um, product that could either compliment you or ride alongside you where I can take some of that market share back from you. And, and then more recently, um, I, I worked for a much a smaller organization that uh, had a very niche market, which taught me that, you know, niching down is not a bad thing. So many people are like, no, nah, I can't niche down. I'll miss all this opportunity. This company um, targeted, they, they, they made apparel, you know, shirts and, uh, you know, not pants, but it was all about shirts and sweatshirts and, you know, gloves and hats and everything. But their target market was white tail hunters. Now, anybody who's a hunter, right, let alone, you know, a white tail hunter will know that's a very small market. It's probably, I want to say, last count that I remember, it's in the 700,000. It's a lot of people, you know, and they, they did very, very well for themselves. And, uh, you know, sold lots of apparel, got onto Amazon, started doing great things. And one of the cool things that they did is they had um, polo shirts were very popular that they would do camel piecing. So you have this nice black polo shirt, maybe with a green collar, and then a piece going down the shoulder that would be a camouflage. Uh, well, on the Amazon marketplace, right, someone who's just uh, an outdoors enthusiast would see the camo and say, oh, that's, that's pretty cool. And they started buying it up. 
So they got to be still niche and be true to who they were with going after those whitetail hunters. But it then opened them up in other marketplaces where they can say, hey, you are an outdoorser. You might like this as well. And once they got onto Amazon and just kind of, I'll say, ratcheted back the the hunter naming, you know, using those phrases that were very hunter specific, uh, the market blew up for them and they saw some explosive growth over a very, very short period of time. And they're, but they were still, you know, always focused on their target market when they produced the product. It just happened to be there was ancillary opportunities that were much bigger uh, that uh, they were able to tap into. And that's a real benefit of having a brand versus a product. Correct. Absolutely right. Yeah. So one of the things I picked up, though, listening to you talk about, you know, the Sprite versus Barks mm-hmm. was they they looked at the habit of the consumer first. Yes. Said, what's going on in their day? What's their habit that they go through? And we all hear that, right? When building out the avatar, everybody's built out an avatar with an ad agency if you've got a business at some point in time, right? Yeah, right. But, but one of the things I think gets left out of the conversation is it's not just about building that out for the sake of having a document that says we did busy work. Mm-hmm. It's looking at their daily routine and their daily habits to see where are where are opportunities for our product or brand to be interjected into their lives. Mm-hmm. Because we all know how hard it is to break a habit. We've all tried to break some bad ones that we all acquire at some point in our life. It's it's difficult. It's hard. Right. So I introducing a product or a service into a habit that doesn't fit or you're trying to break them apart from that just doesn't seem to work. Yeah. And we have science that proves that it doesn't too. But I thought it was really interesting how they said, well, if we can't beat them, we'll join them, but we'll join them on a side that they can't beat. Right. Right. Which was the mixed drink side, which I yeah. think is super fascinating, right? You're not going to get people to not drink mixed drinks, but they're definitely not going to grab a Dr. Pepper in that process, but they will right. grab something that's light and refreshing. Yep. Yeah, there was, it, it was, I was like, okay, I, I get it. it. Cause I remember when I first I was like, oh, Texas, we're going to be brutal. And as I was looking at the numbers, I'm like, we're never going to do anything here. And then I heard the plan. I'm like, oh God, that's just genius. Why didn't I think of that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Why couldn't I be the one to design the logo? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So final question for you. It's the same right. question I've been asking all my guests and it catches them totally off guard. But it's an amazing question and one that I know my audience has really loved recently. Okay. If you had a prayer for the world, what would it be? And the part B of that would be if you had a prayer or a wish for your local community, what would it be? Ooh, a prayer for the world or for my local community. Wow. Uh, I think the prayer for the world would be, and it would probably be the same prayer for the local community, because it's that's for me, that's part of the world, is uh, to give first. Right. Um, Because I, I, again, this comes back to the learning. I was just sharing with you a a bit ago at the start of my podcast. I was like, I'm going to get all this. No, 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 no. You give first. Uh, And when you give, then there's this whole law of reciprocity that begins to play out. And that's a a superpower beyond my control out there. But it it happens, right? You go out there and you give and you give and you give. Someone says, hey, I want to earn $100,000 this year. All right. How are you going to give $100,000 worth of value away? 
right? Not how you're going to give $100,000 worth of value that someone's going to pay you for. How are you going to give that away? Because the minute you do that, things are going to start coming into your realm, your attention, your sphere of influence that will help you get that goal of that $100,000 a year or whatever it is you're going for. And if you don't, you're still going to feel real damn good about giving uh, those things out there and putting it out there to the universe. But trust me, it's going to come back to you. That's just the way it works. That's, there's something amazing about you know the powers that be out there. I absolutely love that, man. Thank you so much for being on here today, Tracy. Where can people find you? Uh, Dark Horse Schooling uh, is the website, darkhorseschooling.com. You'll see everything there, all the socials you can link out there from there, and you can check out the podcast from there as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining in. And as always, go out and make somebody smile today. 